This episode was made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. For more information, please visit patreon.com slash author Chris Lester. I strive to make this podcast a safe and inclusive place for my listeners. If I've missed any content warnings, please let me know. Content warnings for this episode include strong language, mature themes, oral sex, and discussions of abusive parental behavior, hate crimes, and religious intolerance. You're listening to The Raven and the Writing Desk, the weekly podcast about the writings of Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. This is episode 253. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Raven and the Writing Desk. I'm your host, Chris Lester. You can learn more about me and my work at chrislester.org and metamorecity.com. This is the show where I share my fiction with you, available in audio for the first time anywhere. I'll also tell you what's new with my life and my writing. More on that later in the show. For now, let's get to this week's story. Today I'm bringing you Chapter 27 of my Metamore City erotic fantasy, Homecoming. If you're new to the show, go back to episode 228 to hear this story from the beginning. The following recap will contain spoilers. After cleaning things up with the Lightbringers, John, Kate, Chase, Emily, and Chase's mother, Margaret, all went back to Sam and Lisa's house to decompress. They were met there by Chase's father, Brandon, who reaffirmed his love and support for Chase as he strives to make sense of his new life as an incubus. Margaret and Brandon ask John to come visit their hedonist home group on Saturday, so he can bless their congregation of underground believers. With Kate's blessing, John agreed. Once the Tomleys had gone home, and Sam and Lisa had gone back to their hotel room for the night, that left John, Kate, Chase, and Emily with the run of the house. John needed to teach Chase how to control his incubus powers, and Kate and Emily were ready to help. Under John's direction, and after getting Emily's consent, Chase succeeded in releasing some of his essence in a controlled way, sending it out to influence Emily's mind and libido. Emily was already in a receptive mood, and Suspira's essence drove her even deeper into the throes of lust. Now it's time for Chase to learn the second part of being an incubus, bringing pleasure to his partner so he can feed on their life force. Fortunately, Emily is more than ready for that part, too. Homecoming A Tale of Metamore City Written and read by Chris Lester Chapter 27 Chase grinned, a little self-consciously, but Emily opened her arms to him, and he went to her without delay. The height difference between them was substantial, and Chase looked like a giant bending over to meet her lips. Emily put both her arms around his neck, then hoisted herself up, wrapping her gymnast's legs tightly around his waist. Chase laughed in surprise for a moment, but then his arms went automatically under her body to support her his hands cupping the cheeks of her muscular ass. They stood there like that for a long moment, their tongues wrestling, 
until Chase carried her over and set her on the bed next to Kate. Kate immediately leaned over and kissed her, her hand reaching out to fondle one of Emily's breasts. Emily giggled and made encouraging noises as Chase climbed onto the bed at her feet. Kate broke the kiss and smiled sultrily down at Chase. Here's your next lesson. Girls take longer to get revved up than guys. If you go straight to sticking your penis in her vagina, you're probably going to come before she does, and she is not going to be happy with you. This was apparently news to Chase. Huh, he said, thoughtfully. Okay, so what should I do? Make her come first, Kate advised. We're not one and done like most guys are. One orgasm makes the next one easier, and usually better. You've got your hands, your mouth, and in your case, your tail. She reached out with her own tail and caressed the folds of Emily's labia. Emily closed her eyes and smiled contentedly. Every woman is different, though, so talk, ask questions, get to know her body. Tentatively, Chase reached out and traced a hand up the inside of Emily's leg. She squirmed and laughed when he brushed the back of her knee, and immediately he jerked his hand away. Sorry. It's okay, Emily said. I'm just ticklish there. See what I mean? Kate said. Chase blushed a little. I get the idea. I just don't know where to start. Kate's eyes met Emily's, and a look of mischief passed between them. Should we give him a lesson? Kate asked. Oh, yes, please, Emily said, and kissed her again. Kate turned over and crawled to the end of the bed next to Chase. Emily shifted her hips over a little and spread her legs invitingly, presenting her vulva to Kate. While Chase watched, Kate kissed her way up the insides of Emily's legs. She cupped Emily's mound with her hand, moved her thumb in little circles around her clit. Then she lowered her head, extended her tongue, and began to lap at her pussy. Emily let out a happy sigh and ran her fingers through Kate's hair. Chase leaned in close with a fascinated expression as Kate licked, nibbled, sucked, and stroked with gentle fingers. Oh, gods, that's so good, Emily panted, her hands bawling into fists in Kate's hair. Kate increased her speed and intensity, and Emily's breathing came quicker and shallower. Chase started caressing Emily's body while he watched, running his hands over her chest, legs, and belly. If Emily had any other ticklish spots, she was too far gone to feel them now. John saw Kate's essence flow out of her, a pulse of red smoke that filled the room. Immediately, Emily cried out as another orgasm hit her. A wash of life mana flowed out of her. Not a lot, but enough to make for a delicious appetizer. Kate soaked up most of it, but a little of it went into Chase as well. He sat up and gasped. Oh, Eli... What was that? John patted his shoulder. That was life mana. That's your food. Kate scooted back out of the way and propped herself up on her side. Okay, Chase, your turn. Grinning nervously, Chase got down between Emily's legs. She opened half-lidded eyes and smiled down at him, caressed his head with one hand. It's okay, she assured him. Take your time. I'll tell you what feels good. Just then, the doorbell sounded. They all stopped and looked at each other. I'll go see who it is, John said, 
and started to gather up his clothes. You girls are doing fine without me. Don't be too long, Emily said, teasingly. I still want all three of you inside me before we're done here. John paused in getting dressed, long enough to kiss her quickly and firmly on the lips. You should definitely be a hedonist. Emily winked. Keep it up and maybe you'll convert me. The doorbell rang again. John quickly pulled on his pajama bottoms, shifted back to human form, and hurried down the hallway to the landing. He grabbed his fallen shirt along the way, but he didn't want to keep their visitor waiting any longer, so he just slung it over his shoulder and continued on, bare-chested. John couldn't see who was out there as he came down the stairs. They must have been standing out of sight behind the door. Once he reached the foyer, he went to the windows and peeked out at the darkened porch. The person outside was bundled up against the cold, with a hooded parka and a scarf that concealed most of her face. John could tell it was a woman, and a rather tall one, but he couldn't make out much more than that with his dark vision. He tapped on the glass, and her head darted in his direction. "'I have to turn off the alarm,' he said, enunciating the words clearly so she could hear him through the glass. She nodded acceptance, and he went around the corner to the nearest control panel. He keyed in the code Kate had used earlier, and the LED indicator light winked out. John flipped on the light switch for the foyer, letting his human vision reassert itself. He went back to the door, unlocked it, and opened it. Hi, can I help you? The woman on the porch pulled down the scarf, and now John recognized her immediately. It was Janet Vickers, the team captain for the Littlefield Ravens, the woman Chase had been with when he first transformed. The woman Chase had nearly killed. Janet's eyes were wide and nervous, the whites gleaming prominently against her dark skin. She moistened her lips, took a deep breath, and asked, Is Chase here? He... He told me I could find him here. I need to talk to him. Please. Any thoughts of continuing Chase's lessons were brought to a halt by Janet's arrival. After a brief discussion, Kate and Emily decided to stay in the bedroom. Kate's appearance would only raise more questions, and Emily did not want to make an uncomfortable situation even worse for Janet. Chase was visibly anxious as he put his clothes back on. I'm sorry, Emmy, he said, his eyes fixed on the floor. This isn't fair to you. Emily reached up and caressed his arm. Do you like her? Chase flinched. I do, but it's not the same. It doesn't have to be, Emily said, cutting him off. She let out a soft laugh, gesturing at the room around them. I mean, come on, I was going to fuck all three of you. You think I'm worried about you having sex with other people? Her eyes sparkled with apparent admiration. You're an incubus. Like your mom said, you're here to make people feel good. She squeezed his arm. Janet needs you. Go help her. Chase smiled self-consciously, but he stood up a little straighter, took a deep breath in and out. Okay, let's go. On the bed, Kate wrapped her arms around Emily from behind and kissed the side of her cheek. Don't worry about us, boys. We'll be fine without you. Emily giggled and turned to meet her lips. Mmm, yes we will, 
she agreed. John and Chase left them to it and headed downstairs to talk to Janet. John had left her in the living room. Now she sat in the middle of the couch, poised on the edge of the cushion, as if she might jump up and leave at any moment. As John and Chase rounded the corner into the room, John in his human guise, Chase still stuck in incubus form, Janet turned her head to look at them, and her eyes went wide. Slowly, she rose to her feet. Chase? she whispered. Chase's reddish skin turned even redder, but his expression was one of relief. Hi, Janet. For several seconds, neither of them moved. Then Janet rushed forward and wrapped her arms around him, resting her head against his shoulder. I... I thought I had dreamed this, she murmured. I'm so sorry, Chase said. Are you okay? I was so worried. Janet seemed stunned by the question. She leaned back and looked searchingly at his face. Am I okay? Are you okay? People are saying the craziest things. Half the town thinks you're a demon, and the other half thinks a demon killed you and took your place. She paused, looked him up and down again. Um, it didn't, right? You're still... you? More or less, Chase sighed. Then he sat down with her on the couch. John pulled up a dining room chair, and together they filled her in. About Incubi, the Church of Hedonism, and the lust storm that had happened when Chase lost control of his powers. They did not tell her the details about Chase's conception, or about the Tomley secret hedonist congregation. Those were his parents' secrets, not his own, and neither Chase nor John felt comfortable revealing them. They also said nothing about Kate's transformation, though they did tell her how Kate had used life mana to stabilize Janet at the party. I don't remember that, Janet said, her eyes distant and thoughtful. What do you remember? Chase asked, his tone anxious. She smiled shyly and lowered her head, the skin on her face flushing hotter in John's expanded visual range. I remember being with you. We were dancing and kissing, and people started taking off their clothes, and that seemed like a great idea. Her eyes flicked over to John, uncertain. Was that you? Partially, John conceded. It wasn't mind control or anything. It was your decision. But yes, my essence lowered your inhibitions. It wasn't directed at you, but you got caught in it anyway. I'm sorry. I should have been more careful. She nodded, apparently accepting this. So we did it because we wanted to. She turned her attention to Chase. I'm glad. I'm glad that it was real. It felt real. Chase took her hand, squeezed it. Was it good for you? Good? Janet flushed even hotter. It was incredible. No one ever made me feel that way. She shook her head, as if in disbelief at her own memories. The last thing I remember clearly was your eyes changing, turning yellow. Then I... well... I came so hard that everything turned white. That was when he fed on you, John explained. It lights up all the reward centers in the brain. I believe it, Janet said. 
She fell silent a moment, then said, When I woke up, they were loading me into an ambulance. I was so tired, but I also felt peaceful, warm, like I was wrapped in a big fuzzy blanket and I could just sleep for a week. She rubbed her thumb over Chase's hand. My family acted like something horrible had happened to me, but it didn't feel horrible, not at all. She looked up and met Chase's eyes. I wanted you to know that. Chase tried to smile, but it didn't last more than a second. How come you didn't answer me? I texted you like a million times. Janet grimaced. My father. The people at the hospital gave him my phone while I was asleep. He saw some of the things people were saying about the party. He was furious at me for going to a pit of wickedness and depravity. She made air quotes around the phrase. He didn't want me texting back to anyone who had been there, especially not you. Some people were saying they'd seen you turn into a demon, and the Lightbringers were asking questions about you, and nobody had seen you since the party. I didn't know about any of that until later, though. Father wouldn't let me see my phone. I had to wait for him to fall asleep so I could sneak in and get it back. As soon as I saw your messages, I came right here. Her grip tightened around Chase's hand. I had to understand what really happened. I had to know the truth. Her mouth hardened into a line. And I had to talk to you in a way Father couldn't spy on. Chase raised their joined hands, held them over his heart. I'm glad you came. I'm really glad you don't hate me. Janet smiled sadly. I don't hate you. My family hates you, but they're superstitious idiots who see demons in every doorknob. She shook her head again, this time in resignation. I like you a lot, Chase, but I probably can't see you for a while. It wouldn't be safe for either of us. John's warning senses pinged at that. Janet, what church is your family in? Oh, it's one of those self-important little ones, Janet sighed. First Apostolic Church of Yahshua the Redeemer. She said it with a dramatic swoop of one arm and an exaggerated, pompous tone of voice. I swear I'm counting the days until I leave for uni and never have to go back there. I'm so sick of people telling me what to think, especially when most of what they have to say is so stupid. John leaned back in his seat, a shock of cold fear running through him. The Redeemers. Oh, shit. Janet's situation was much more dangerous than he had first imagined. Chase, though, was apparently unaware of Redeemer theology, because he seemed a little hurt by Janet's sudden outburst. He let go of her hand and scooched away from her a little on the couch, though John doubted he was even aware he was doing it. Well, sometimes people get things wrong. It doesn't mean church is all bad. Janet snorted derisively. Oh, sure. I'll bet they would be really accepting if you showed up with horns and a tail. She lowered her head and balled her fist, muttering, Bunch of prejudiced, self-righteous assholes. If that's who Eli wants in his heaven, I don't even want to go there. Now Chase was definitely offended. No, wait a minute, that's not fair. My parents say Eli loves everybody, no matter what. Janet sighed. Yeah... Mine too. 
and then he sends us to hell anyway. She smiled bleakly. Pretty messed up, isn't it? Chase had no response to that. After a moment, Janet cleared her throat and got to her feet. I should get going before I get caught, she said, sounding subdued. Thanks for talking to me, Chase. Take care of yourself. She didn't look at him as she headed for the door. John gestured at Chase to stay put, then followed her into the foyer. Mind if I walk you to your car? he asked, as he handed back Janet's coat and scarf. It's pretty dark out there. Janet shrugged, not looking at him. Fine with me. Once she was bundled up, John walked out with her, not bothering with a coat of his own. A boring little hatchback, older but clearly in good condition, sat parked in front of the Catane's house. John scanned the street left and right, wary for any sign of threats. There were dozens of ground cars, parked in driveways and on both sides of the street. He squinted at them suspiciously, looking for shadowy figures waiting inside. He didn't see anyone, but... Janet, he said, when you were at the hospital, they gave you emergency contraception, right? Janet frowned. Yes, how did you know? John's fear diminished, but only slightly. Standard precaution when an incubus is involved, or it is in Metamore, anyway. I wasn't sure they'd know to do it out here. He leaned in a little closer, looked her straight in the eyes. Make sure you take a pregnancy test in a week or two, all right? Incubus sperm are tough little bastards. If any of them survived, you'll want to know as soon as possible, so you can... Explore your options. Janet nodded slowly. All right. Thanks for the advice. Sure. John looked down at his shoes, ran a hand over the back of his neck. He wasn't sure how to broach the other topic that was bothering him, but he couldn't let her leave without saying something. Listen, I don't know your situation, but from what you said, I'm concerned. She cocked her head. About what? About your safety, John said gently. My so-called father was a controlling, self-righteous asshole, too. When he found out what I was, it didn't go well for me. Men like that can be dangerous when they think their honor is being threatened. He paused as a related thought occurred to him. I notice you never mentioned your mother. Is she still alive? Janet's eyes flashed with emotion a long-buried grief rising to the surface. I don't know, she said, her voice subdued. She went away when I was little. Father says she wouldn't repent of her sins, so the church kicked her out. I haven't seen her since. John felt a stab of sympathetic grief. It was bad enough to lose your mother to illness the way he had. To have her just disappear must have been even worse. If I were you, I'd start trying to find her, he said, or someone from her side of the family at least, an aunt or an uncle or grandparents, someone who's not in the church. Janet showed him that sad smile again. It's been years. If they wanted me, don't you think I would have heard from them by now? You were a kid, John said, with a control freak for a dad. Just because you didn't hear from them doesn't mean they didn't try. He shook his head. But you're not a kid anymore. Don't stay with people who make you feel afraid, okay? Trust me on this one. 
Janet lowered her eyes, fidgeting with discomfort. She tried to hide it with another smile. Thanks, but I'm okay. Father likes to yell at me, but he's all talk. I just have to get through this school year, and then it's not my problem anymore. John was not convinced. It's your choice, he said. He gestured back at the house. But if you change your mind, talk to Sam or Lisa Katane. If you need help, they'll give it. I promise you. Janet's smile slipped a little. John suspected this was the first time a grown-up had treated her situation with the seriousness it deserved, and that made it harder for her to minimize or dismiss it. Okay, she said, her tone low and flat. Well, good night, John. Thanks for telling me the truth. And tell Miss Katane thanks for saving my life. I will, John promised. He bowed to her, waited to make sure her car would start, and watched her pull away. He turned and walked back up to the front of the house. And four houses down the block, he heard a ground car's engine start. John crouched down in the shadows on the porch and called on his essence to draw the darkness in more tightly around him. He watched and waited, his heart thudding in his ears. A plain-looking brown sedan rolled past the Catane's house with its headlights off, slowing as it pulled even with the porch. From the shadows, John saw four large men inside. The three passengers were all studying the house, or perhaps John Skimmer in the driveway. One of them was on his phone, his lips moving in words John couldn't make out at this distance. John did not move a muscle. After a few seconds, the car pulled away, turning in the same direction Janet had gone. The headlights stayed off. Swallowing hard, John went inside. Chase was still on the couch, his expression clouded with sadness and uncertainty. You know where Janet lives? John asked. Chase nodded. Good. Write it down for me. And stay away from the windows. He continued up the stairs, taking them two at a time. In the master bedroom, Kate and Emily were snuggled up together in bed, laughing at something on Kate's phone. Kate looked up as John came in. Her smile vanished when she saw the look on his face. Trouble? she asked. Janet's being followed, John said tightly. We need to move. Now. Kate's face darkened with anger. Immediately, she sprang out of bed and started getting dressed. John did likewise, running back to the guest room to retrieve socks, shoes, shirt, coat, and a proper pair of pants. Emily followed him into the bedroom, looking confused and frightened. What's going on? Janet snuck out of the house to come here, John said. Somebody followed her, and now they're following her home. I think they mean to hurt her. Emily gaped. Why? Honor, John said, disgusted. She had sex with someone her church considers a demon. That means she's tainted, corrupted by evil. They'll try to purge it from her. Purge it? Emily looked sick. How? John's gut twisted. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins, he quoted. Emily's face paled. She ran out of the room without another word. Kate came in seconds later and started pulling gear out of her bag. Her Arthana, her belt of casting reagents, 
and her leather jacket embroidered with protective enchantments. She almost hadn't packed it. It wasn't really warm enough for the weather, and this was supposed to be a vacation, but John had persuaded her to bring it along, in case any Brotherhood goons decided to take a swing at them while their guard was down. John resisted, saying, I told you so, as she pulled it on. Two minutes later, they were downstairs. Emily and Chase had both gotten dressed and were waiting expectantly by the door. You have that address? John asked Chase. Chase handed over a folded scrap of paper. We're coming with you, he said. Absolutely not. If these people catch you, they will kill you. We'll set the alarm before we leave, Kate said. Turn off the lights, stay away from the windows, and if anybody tries to force their way in, call E.S. But what if... Emily began. John put a gentle hand on her shoulder. Emily, there's no time. We're probably heading into a fight here, and we can't help Janet and keep an eye on you two. We'll call Sam and Lisa and tell them to get over here, but until then, hang tight and trust us. He eyed Chase. Both of you. Don't try to be a hero, all right? Chase and Emily looked unconvinced, but they nodded reluctantly. Kate set the alarm, and she and John headed out into the cold. And that's the end of Chapter 27. Come back next time, when John and Kate go to Janet's rescue. Hey there folks, Chris here. I'm recording this outro on September 15th, so I don't have a new writing update for you yet. Come back next time and I'll let you know how things are going. If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show, send your feedback in text or audio to metamorecityfeedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641-715-3900, then enter extension 255082, followed by the pound sign. My Facebook is facebook.com slash author Chris Lester. The fan group is fans of Metamore City on Facebook, and our Discord server is Metamore City. I'm there pretty often, so come say hi. If you like this show, please consider leaving a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser.com. It really helps people find the show. That's all for this week. I'll be back next time with more fresh new fiction. Until then, keep it on the bright side. This is Chris Lester, signing out. The contents of this podcast are copyright 2019 and 2020 by Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. The show is released under Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives License. So don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. For more information about this license, please visit creativecommons.org.